set yourself apart from the way the world operates, then start by showing kindness to the people around you. The fear that you're feeling, the guilt that you're feeling, that's the conviction from being in this presence. That's your sin. That's my sin doing that. But God's not here to continue. He's not here to say, I'm here to send you home. No, God is here to say, I love you and your sins are forgiven. Give your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Joel, Joel chapter 2. And if you're ever in need of encouragement and to be uplifted, don't ever go to the minor prophets. They will not encourage you, they will not uplift you. But I'm going to attempt to share with you a message that I believe the Lord has given me that is uplifting and it is encouraging from the book of Joel. But you have to hang with me, okay? Yeah, I promise, hang with me and we'll get there. As, as Arthur mentioned, this is Ascension Sunday in the church. We celebrate this as the day that our resurrected Lord ascended back into heaven. And remember, the disciples are standing there and they're watching Jesus be carried up into the clouds when an angel showed up and said, what you guys doing? Right? What, what you all doing? Why are you just standing here looking up? This same Jesus is going to be back again in the same way that he left. And do you remember what they do next? They go to that upper room in, in Jerusalem and they just wait. They just wait. And, and just like this message is an, is an uplifting and encouraging one from the book of Joel, I need, you, I need you to hang with me to understand how this all connects together. Okay, Can, can you hang with me for a few minutes as, we try, as I attempt to get us, get us to that point? So, but we're in, we're in Joel chapter 2. And the reason why I think this is important is as Jesus is being taken up into heaven, remember Jesus was the, the teacher for the disciples. Everything they knew about God had been shared with them from Jesus. And as you read through the Gospels, you realize there was a lot of things that the disciples did not understand. Even when Jesus was with them teaching them, they didn't understand it. And now Jesus was gone and they were left with the task of carrying on the work. Talk about a big task. Can you imagine the fear that they must have felt of, what if we fail? But Jesus was going to give them something. Jesus was going to send them something to assure them that that wasn't going to happen. And that's what we're going to kind of dig into here a little bit as we, as we go through the book of Joel. All right. So Joel chapter 2, I'm going to be reading verses 3 through 11. It says, A fire devours in front of them, and behind them a flame blazes. The land in front of them is like the Garden of Eden, but behind them it is like a desert wasteland. There is no escape from them. 
Their appearance is like that of horses, and they gallop like war horses. They bound on the tops of the mountains. Their sound is like the sound of chariots, like the sound of fiery flames consuming stubble, like a mighty army deployed for war. Nations writhe in horror before them. All faces turn pale. They attack as warriors attack. They scale walls as men of war do. Each goes on his own path, and they do not change their course. They do not push each other. Each proceeds on his own path. They dodge the arrows, never stopping. They storm the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like thieves. The earth shakes before them. The sky shakes. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars cease their shining. The Lord makes His voice heard in the presence of His army. His camp is very large. Those who carry out His command are powerful. Indeed, the day of the Lord is terrible and dreadful. Who can endure it? This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, are you uplifted after reading that? You feel the warm and fuzzies stirring inside of you? Well, when you read the book of Joel, and I kind of skipped over this part because I didn't have time this morning to read the entire book to you, but Joel is, is prophesying about a plague of locusts that is coming to God's people as a sign of God's judgment. And so this them that is referred to in verse 3 is, is locusts, these giant bugs. Anybody here, in here like bugs? No, no one likes bugs. Now, in other parts of the world, and actually as recently as 2020, as Africa was trying to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic, they also had to deal with a plague of locusts. Billions of locusts had spawned and was consuming all the vegetation, all the crops, everything that was in their path. It was, it was either go outside and deal with the locust and catch COVID, or to just let them have their way. But even then, it was kind of pointless, right? What are you going to do? There's not a ping pong paddle big enough. So this morning, as we're going through here, these verses, we kind of go through I'm going to kind of go through them a little quickly, but understand that it's talking about locusts. Now, does Joel understand that his prophecy actually ties in with the book of Revelation later? I don't know. Does, does he understand that this ties into the fact that the Assyrian army is going to march into Jerusalem and take them away as captives later on? I don't know if Joel knew that. All Joel knows is God gave him this word about locusts that he was supposed to share. And he does so in very great detail. So kind of looking in, in verse 3 here, it says, A fire devours any, in, in, in front of them, and behind them a flame blazes. Now these locusts don't have flamethrowers. But if you watch these, these swarms of locusts when they occur, they just eat everything. Anything that's green, they're going to eat it. If you were to go through an area after a forest fire and look behind it, what does a fire do? It consumes everything around it. It leaves it barren, it leaves it black and, and ashy. And that's kind of what Joel's getting after. He's saying these, these, this locust swarm is going to be so big, it's going to be so huge, it's going to go through, and it's going to devour everything. 
And when you look, he, he describes it as it, when, when they, before they get there, it looked like the Garden of Eden. And when they're gone, it's just going to be devastation. Verse 4, he goes on. He says, Their appearance is like that of horses, and they gallop like war horses. Um, this is not saying that these locusts are the size of horses. Right? Uh, the Denver Broncos quarterback, Russell Wilson, his catchphrase was, when he joined the Broncos was, was let's ride. Right? Meaning, let's ride these, these horses. Well, you can't ride these locusts. Maybe if you got enough of them together in a jar or something, maybe you could try it that way, but... But he, if you actually, but if you take a locust and you examine it under a microscope, it, its features, its head will be shaped similar to that of a horse. So it's like a horse in that regard. Not the size of one, but it's like one in that regard. Now, also keep in mind, like horses today, we kind of use them for racing and, and, and leisure and amusement, right? But back in this time period, that's not what horses were used for. Horses were actually a military weapon. They were a great advantage to a military that had them. Matter of fact, that's why Israel, you know, for a long time, they didn't have war horses really until Solomon came along and stockpiled them. It was a technological advantage. But these locusts were going to come in like a bunch of war horses. There's going to be thousands of them, but, but while they're not the size of a war horse, they're going to be like that. They're going to be thundering into the battle just like a bunch of horses and chariots from a cavalry rolling in. Verse, verse uh, 5, you go on down, it says, They bound on the tops of mountains, their sound is like the sound of chariots, like the sound of fiery flames consuming stubble. Basically what they're saying is it's, a bun- it's going to be noisy. You're going to be able to hear them. Have you guys had to endure like the cicadas coming to life, right? And you remember how noisy that was? That's, imagine that, but on a much grander scale. Just constant buzzing, constant whooshing through the air. Verses 7 through 9, it says this. It says, they attack as warriors attack, they scale walls as men of war. Each goes on their own path, and they do not change their course. They do not push each other. Each proceeds on his own path. They dodge the arrows, never stopping. They storm the city. They run, they run on the wall. They climb into the houses, and they enter through the windows like thieves. So basically what Joel is saying is these, these, these locusts are like a bunch of ninjas with wings. You can't keep them out. There's nothing you can do. You swat one, another one's going to come right in its place. There's not enough bug spray to get them all. You can, you can shut your windows, you can bar your door shut, but guess what? The locust is still going to find its way in. It's an unstoppable army. It's an unstoppable, and not only that, not only are doors and windows useless against these creatures, they're marching in step. Yes, I know it talks about each doing its own thing, but yes, they're doing their own thing, but they're doing their own thing in sync with those other locusts around them. 
They're not getting in each other's way. They're not stumbling over each other. No, they're marching into battle, unstoppable, ending everywhere and everywhere, unhindered, with no weapons powerful enough to prevent them. Unstoppable. Now, we can read this and think, man, those are some powerful locusts. Makes you a little afraid of locusts, right? Like, I hope we don't have any swarms like that around here. But you realize it's not the fact that they're locusts that make them unstoppable. It's not that they're ninjas with wings that make them unstoppable. It's what it says in verses 10 and 11 that makes these little flying bugs by the billions unstoppable. That's what it says in verse 10 11. It says, The earth quakes before them, the sky shakes, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars cease their shining. In verse 10, that wording, we see this in other places throughout Scripture, and it always marks the same thing. When the sky begins to shake and the earth begins to tremble, it means God's presence is there. Yes, there are billions of these little bugs flying around and buzzing about. But the thunder comes from the fact that God is marching with them. Verse 11 says, The Lord makes His voice heard in the presence of His army. His camp is very large. Those who carry out His command are powerful. Indeed, the day of the Lord is terrible and dreadful. Who can endure it? So this army of locusts is unstoppable because God is marching with them. They're not marching in step to their own tune. They're marching in step with the command of God's voice. Fighting on God's behalf. They are God's instrument to be used in this day of judgment that Joel is describing. So a simple winged bug, a gross little bug that you and I could smash with a ping pong paddle, when in the hands of God Almighty becomes unstoppable. You see, as I read through this text, yes, this is not an uplifting passage. Again, if you want to be encouraged, don't read the Minor Prophets, okay? (laughs) You're going to get your feelings hurt if you read through the Minor Prophets and you're really paying attention. You won't be able to make it through the Minor Prophets without having to go see a chiropractor for your toes. And yes, when when it talks about who can endure the terrible day of the Lord... That's not an uplifting statement. That means when, you're, when God is coming against you, there is no chance. It doesn't matter in what form or shape He takes. or what, It's God is against you, and that's who you're struggling against, and you're not going to win that battle. But as we study through this text, if we want to be encouraged and uplifted in this book that's not meant for encouragement and uplifting, look at the locusts. It's a little winged bug in the hands of God Almighty. And because of God's grace, because of God's power, they become so much more. Now, I'm going to ask an obvious question as we dig through through this and how it applies to us is, who makes the church of God unstoppable? 
Who makes the church unstoppable? It's God. God makes His church unstoppable. Not you or I, not, not the songs that we sing, not the prayers that we pray, but it's God's presence that makes the earth tremble and shake. If you look at the history of the church, the, the periods of the greatest revivals taking place, it wasn't due to the church buildings, it wasn't due to... The, the programs that the church was offering. No, those big mighty movements of God throughout her life happened when, when the Holy Spirit fell upon God's people and God's presence was with them. The church becomes unstoppable. The church is unstoppable because of God. But notice what it says here in Joel. It says in verse 11 that those who carry out His commands are powerful. So if the church wants to be unstoppable, we need God's presence with us. But when God's presence is with us, what do we have to be? We have to be obedient. We have to be willing to execute His will on our own. How do we execute His will? It's very simple. It's not complicated we got to have faith in Jesus. That's where it starts. That's where the whole program begins. We have to have faith in Jesus. The Jesus who died for us. The Jesus who rose again. The Jesus who ascended into heaven and is coming back again. We have to have faith in Him and the fact that He is calling us to follow after Him. But if we want to follow after Jesus and, and live the life that He's called to, calling us to, then we have to be filled with His Holy Spirit. Right? The disciples, they all believed in Jesus. They, they were witnesses to the story of Jesus. But when Jesus ascended into the heaven, what did the angel tell him to do? He's coming back. And, but in preparation for when Jesus returns, Jesus, before He ascends, tells him, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem. And, when you, and at some point, the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, that's when you will have power. That's when you will be unstoppable. Languages won't be a barrier. The Roman government won't be a barrier. There is not a power on this earth that can stop you because you're filled with my presence and my voice and my wisdom and you're going where I send you. We gotta have faith in Jesus, but most importantly, more importantly, along those lines, and in step with that, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It starts by saying things like, you know, He is Lord, but realizing He's He's not a Lord way up there, He's the Lord in here. That yes, we're singing about what a day that will be, how great it'll be when Jesus comes back. But do you realize we don't have to wait until that day to experience the blessing of life with Christ? Now, if, if, if we're going to execute His will, then we, we start with faith in Jesus. It starts being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's only after we have faith in Jesus and we're filled with the Holy Spirit that we can be armed with the love of God. That is the greatest weapon that we have as Christians. As God's presence with us, armed with His love. And His love is always both 
grace and truth. Not one or the other, it's always both. And so that means for us then, is if we're going to execute God's will and we're going to love God and love others the way He calls us to, then that means we're going to stand firm on the truth of God. We're not going to budge. We're not going to back down. This is what God's Word says. This is who He commanded us to be. And we're not going to shy away from that or back away from it. Because we know the consequences if we do that. Right? And, and I, think it's in, I think it's 1 Peter, it might be 2 Peter, but he tells us that to know the way of God and choose to not live it. it. It'd be worse if you didn't, you'd be better off not knowing it at all. You and I know the way. God's shown it to us, He's revealed it to us. We have to stand firm on the truth. Now, that, that term standing firm, you'll see that in the scriptures, that's a military term. Right? When. when, when Former soldiers here understand what it means to, to stand at the ready, right? It, it means, yes, you're standing in place, you're not really doing anything, but in a moment's notice, you're ready to pull that weapon up and get, get started, right? You're paying attention, you're alert, you're ready to rumble. Your helmet's on and strapped on, you got that vest on, and you know the enemy's all around you, so you cannot afford to slack off. That's how we're called to stand. We're called to stand firm on the truth of God. But when we're standing firm on that truth, if we're going to love God and love others the way that He's called us to, if we're going to be armed with His love, as we're standing firm on the truth, we're going to be extending His grace. Because that's what Jesus did to each and every one of us. Not a one of us was at a place where God wanted us to be when He found us. But He extended us the grace to get there. None of us in this room right now, we're, we are at the place where God wants us to be. We, we're not at a place where we can be satisfied with our walk with God. No, but He's giving us the grace until we get there. And just in the same way that He, he extends grace to us, if, we were to, if we're walking under His banner, we're walking in step with God then we're going to be extending that same grace to others. Not compromising the truth in doing so, but giving them the grace to learn and understand and grow in that wisdom. And when we do that, when we allow God's presence to consume us and be our focal point like that, that's when the church becomes unstoppable. Because we're focused on Him above all else. So the truth I hope you get out of this this morning is that, that a single locust, that was a terrible sentence, a single locust is just a locust. It's just one. It's not powerful, it's not mighty, it can't really do a whole lot by itself except for ruin one plant in your garden before you catch it. Maybe two if you don't catch it fast enough. But do you realize you and I, we are nothing without the Holy Spirit. You realize this church without the Holy Spirit is just a building. That's the truth. But grace says the Holy Spirit in us, uniting us and step together with His power makes you, me, and this church unstoppable. 
When we surrender our own, each of us surrender our hearts to His Holy Spirit, allow Him to fill us. He makes you and I unstoppable. And when we as a church come together in His Spirit, we become unstoppable. When it talks, when we talk about in step together, we're each marching to, we're each marching on our own, but we're not bumping into each other, getting into each other's way. Why? Because we're focused on Him and where he, where He's calling us to go. Now, understand, marching is a skill that has to be learned. Go on YouTube and, 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 and type in, marching fails. And it's pretty funny. It takes a minute. It takes time of working together and, 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 and allowing the Spirit to draw us together in, into the community and working side by side and learning how to walk in step with each other. As we walk in step with His command. But it's possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have all kinds of programs going on in our church right now. We have all kinds of things happening. Amazing things, right? The Holy Spirit has is, 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 is blessed Leah with all kinds of resources to have that closet downstairs, right? And she's, she's using that to, to, to help people in need in the community. We have the blessing box that, that we're, we're, we're trying our best to keep filled to feed people. We have our team ministry. We have our Wednesday night Bible study. We, we have this chosen group that gathers. We have the opportunity to help out with the Relay for Life event. These are all important things. But do you realize every one of them in this church have the same purpose? The Holy Spirit has brought us all together, these different ideas, these different adventures, united under His banner for the same cause. A cause that's unstoppable if we allow His Spirit to work in us and through us. It's a cause that draws people to Jesus so they can be transformed by His grace too. It's the Holy Spirit in us that's allowing us to take part in it. And it's the Holy Spirit working around us that's setting us up to be unstoppable. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Burt Passman Podcast. It was recorded live at the Ravenna Church of the Nazarene, located at 530 Main Street in Ravenna, Kentucky. You can learn more about the Ravenna Church of the Nazarene by visiting ravnaz.com. And if you'd like to send me a message, just simply use the link in the show notes.